Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. Special guest, fresh off a trip out to the NBA Draft Combine in Chicago. You know him from basketballnews.com, senior scout for the website, has been doing this for much longer than I have, an incredibly smart man in the space. I'm honored to have him back on the show, Matt Babcock. How you doing, Matt? Hey, Nathan, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Oh, li- li- living the dream, man. Trying to soak in as much from what I could see, not being out of the combine, but obviously taking in the scrimmages, trying to talk to some people who were there, see what kind of intel, what kind of buzz is coming out. So busy time for everybody, but an even busier time for you. As I said at the top, you were out at the NBA draft combine. Give me some of your big picture thoughts, man. What stood out? Maybe what are like one or two things that really stood out to you? Could be anything. Could be the event itself. Could be some testing things, reactions, skirmish thoughts. What were one or two takeaways from you? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a few things that, that I really found to be productive. I mean, one, we started off with the G League League camp, which is you know seeing the guys that didn't get the invite to the NBA draft combine work, but were close. Uh, you know, a few of those guys really stood out. I mean, Darius Days and Marcus Sasser, uh, really, really kind of moved the needle for me and, and solidify themselves as is uh, likely draft picks if uh, maybe when Sasser if he decides to stay in. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Darius Days, I mean, wow, what I mean, he he really, really turned some heads, and uh, I got a chance to speak with him too. What, what a what a great kid! And um, and then obviously the measurements always. I mean, I, I like seeing the basic measurements of seeing who's actually as big uh, as you think he is or, or not. Um, and then the live play, which you know a lot of the players did not play. Uh, I think 40 guys that were invited to play uh, declined, uh, mm-hmm. but we still got got a chance to see a couple of days of, of really competitive games. I loved a lot of the action that I saw in the exhibition games, I guess from a measurement standpoint, I'm going to touch on his draft stock in a little bit, but one of the measurements that really took, blew me away was the Mark Williams stuff. Holy cow. His standing reach, how tall he, I, I personally did not realize he was seven feet too. That, that really stood out to me um, on the measurement side. And we'll get into him a little bit. But really what I wanted this podcast to be was there's been so many mock draft updates that obviously came out since the lottery drawing. So I'm lucky. I'm, I'm honored to have you on. And I'll have another guest on later in the week as well, really to react to some of the mock drafts that have happened. It's one thing for me to come out of the mock draft based on kind of what I would do. It's another thing to get a mock draft from someone such as yourself, Matt, someone who does have the boots on the ground, has some of the intel and is trying to make projections both ways. Right. So that's really an interesting thing for me to talk with you about. So just starting very simply at the top, Jabari Smith, number one to the Orlando magic is what you have currently in your mock draft, Matt, I know that you and I talked last time we brought up Jabari and you kind of moved him to number one on your own personal board. And now you're also mocking him at number one. And a lot of the intel that, that I've heard since the combine seems to be checking out with him being the likeliest to be picked at number one. And like I said, obviously you've ranked him there for, for months now. So would, would you be shocked at this point if it went any other way between him and two of the other guys that we talked about? Uh, I don't know if, if shocked would be the right word. That might be a, a little aggressive, but I, I'd be surprised. I mean, I, I, it, it does seem like Jabari, uh, you know, among NBA circles is, is you know, the number one guy, slightly at least. Uh, and and I, I do think he fits that that team pretty well. I mean, you know, some people that have been critical on that idea saying, well, Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac's coming back. But, um, you know, I, I think with Jabari Smith and Isaac, these kids could play together. Like, I mean, they defend yeah. everybody, you know? And so I think there's a lot of lineup flexibility with Jabari, you know, if he develops the way we, you know, we hope he would. Um, 
you know, and, and you know, I, I think if they were to look at Paulo or Chet, I mean, those those are good options too. It's kind of a good problem to have. I mean, it's I think everybody likes those guys on some level or, or another. And um, I mean, just me personally, I think it's Jabari Smith, and I, and I think the bulk of the NBA feels that way too. Is there? And this is something I've brought up on other podcasts, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this question. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it doesn't matter at all. But something that I've said to my brother in a no ceilings when we've gone, we've done some of these mock draft exercises, and we look at who Orlando could take. Does it matter at all that Orlando is in such proximity to Auburn? And maybe the fact that that staff in general just has had more opportunities to see him live than having to go all the way out to Gonzaga to see Chet Holmgren or go all the way to Duke to see Powell. Does that play into it at all possibly, or am I just crazy? Um, uh, honestly, I, I don't, I don't think that makes a difference. I mean, these yeah. scouts or the scouting department spent so much money and they've got, they've got guys that are regional and, you know, most of the time. And so, um, I mean, especially with, we're talking about like the top, top level guys, uh, they, they get to know these players. Sure. So let's move past Jabari at one. You did mock Chet Holmgren at number three versus number two. I think a, a lot of the, the popular opinion would be for him to go at number two, but you do have Paolo Bencaro there right now. Have you heard any other buzz regarding who the OKC Thunder may choose a two between him and Paolo? Is that playing your mock a little bit, or are you basing that more um, off of your yeah, feelings? You know, so when we updated this, it was right after the lottery, and so we're planning on update, doing a, a quicker update than we usually do uh, probably tomorrow. Because uh, I mean, I spent the whole week uh, you know, talking with everybody, and so pretty much like this point on, it's sort of a balance of you know our personal opinions and, and you know what we're projecting just just off uh, you know the idea that you know NBA teams will generally make the right decision, if you will, uh, and, and also mixing in intel. And so um, Sam Presti's a hard one to read. I mean, he he keeps <laughs> things tight. I mean, from what I understand, he keeps things tight even within his own uh, staff, um, and so. I think we'll have Bancaro going there again tomorrow. I, I am sort of suspecting that Jaden and Ivy could be in the mix as well. Uh, and then, you know, to address the Chet situation, uh, I mean, I've been saying this for a while. It's pretty interesting. On, on one side with Jaden Ivy, I believe there's more teams that have him rated one or two. Uh, really? That don't. And then the same idea with Chet, I think there's more teams that have him ranked four than one. And so that's a big discrepancy between, uh, you know, what I'm sensing among NBA circles and what's being portrayed in the media and, you know, NBA Twitter and whatnot. And so uh, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see if that's how that unfolds. I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent certain, obviously, sure. um, but I, I it, you know, I, I've had so many NBA teams tell me how high they are on Jaden Ivey and, and sort of question the Chet as the number one guy. Uh, and, and when I say that, I'm not trying to be overly critical on Chet. I don't think anybody no. else is either. Um, I just, the whole narrative that, you know, Chet's a lock to be one or two. Like, I, I don't think that's the case. I think he's got a chance, uh, but I, I don't think that's set in stone by any means. So you brought up an interesting point about Jay Nivey that I, I didn't write this question down, but we can touch on it really quick. There was a rumor that was circulating for multiple media fronts that the Thunder could possibly look back to trade, uh, maybe to like number four, number five, possibly pick up an extra asset or two. I would think if they would trade back, their target might actually be Shane Sharp. Would, would you think that if they traded back, the target would be Ivy at this point? Or do you think maybe Shane could be a target there as well? Um, I think it would be Ivy. Uh, and that's just me guessing, honestly. Uh, I, I mean, Sharp I mean, Sharp seems like a, a Presti type pick too. I'm an upside guy. 
Uh, yeah. So I mean, that wouldn't shock me. I think, you know, and we had talked about this too, because originally uh, when I first did the mock draft after the lottery, I put Keegan Murray at four. Yeah. And then Derek Murray called me. He's like, we got to rethink this. I'm like, you know, you're right. It doesn't feel right having Jaden Ivey slip past four. Because I've been high on Ivey, um, you know, for, for a long time now. And um, and then it's it's funny how it's, you know, those things, you know, start getting released about, okay, Sacramento might look to move that pick. Um, and so I, I do think the trade, hypothetically, if it were OKC Sacramento, I do think it would be for Ivey. That, that would be my bet. I agree with you. I, I think, honestly, to me, from, from everything that I've heard and some things that I can kind of suspect, I think the only thing that, that seems very firm to me is Jabari probably going at number one. And there's so many things in the air at this point between that two through five range. So I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see what happens and what kind of intel comes out between now and draft day. Let's, let's move a little bit further down the box. So you actually put Mark Williams, who I've mentioned that we would talk about in a second, at twelve. On your mock, that'd be that'd be quite the fun haul if they got Paolo and Mark Williams reunited. The Duke, he's in the front court, right? That'd be right. that'd be a lot of fun. Um, but I've warmed up to him lately, being the second center to to come off the board after Chad. I would still classify Chad as a center, um, and in front of Duran. After seeing him at the combine, hearing some of the, the the whispers and the rumors about his draft stock, do you do you think it's possible that he jumps Duran in the lottery to be the second center off the board? It's possible. I mean, I mean, he has a lot of fans, and I mean, I think from a raw talent standpoint, uh, I think Duran is really impressive and, and more impressive, honestly. Um, I think the the potential difference would be sort of some of the background stuff. I mean, Duran's got got some knocks on him, you know, selective motor uh, doesn't always bring it. Is you know, I think you know these teams as they they juggle all these things. How big of a concern is there with with that? And I'm not sure yet, but I, I know. A lot of people have asked me, asked me those things. So jumping down, actually, I should say jumping back one pick, um, one player who has fallen greatly on, on my personal board, not, not necessarily by consensus, but my board. Um, since the last time you and I talked, is Ty Ty Washington. Ty Ty's really fallen into the 20s for me. Um, you still have him mocked in the lottery range. Do you, do you think teams still see him? as a lottery prospect with so many intriguing wings and forwards that could kind of be around that 11 to 14 or however deep you want to go into like the top 20 range. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think you get to the lottery uh, period. Wow. What, what, what makes you so confident in that? Just your evaluation. Uh, you kind of held on. To I mean, my, my, I thought that all year, but just speaking with people, speaking with his agent, um, I, I, I would be shocked if he, I think he'll be the first point guard to go. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'd be I'd be really really surprised if he got out of the lottery. You think New York's the best destination where we have a mock? If um, that's the case, if he goes in the lottery, uh, teams I've heard connected to him: San Antonio, Washington. Um, I, I see New York. I, I haven't heard that, but that I, I think that makes sense. Um, and if he's not lottery, I mean, I think he's he's mid first at, at at the worst. Um, and then the other guy's buzzing is Kennedy Chandler, who I think for the yeah. most part everybody has Ty Ty first, uh, Kenny Chandler second. Uh, but I, I don't think Kenny's going to slip that far either. I think both of them are, are uh, you know, pretty much right in the same spots that I that I, I figured they would be from the get go. Yeah, I think you mocked Kennedy at, at 19, so you kind of see him as like a top 20 guy at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a solid first round pick. I, you know, I mean, not everybody's going to take a point guard, and so like that will determine where they go exactly. Sure. But I think as far as their market values go, um, I mean, I think Ty Ty is going to be start getting some heavy looks. You know, mid late lottery. Uh, Kennedy's, you know, probably mid first. All right. 
I have to do this to you. I have to ask you about one of the most, I guess bizarre is probably not the best word, but in, in the realm of a bizarre situation with the whole, the whole letter Miller thing going on, right? It's, it's the talk of the town. It's the talk on draft Twitter to say the least. Um, Listen, I've gone back. I've tried to watch some of the high school film. There's not a ton of the Fort Erie stuff available, but we have, we have some inside access. We've tried to watch as much of the film as we can. He doesn't, he doesn't pop off the screen to me, Matt. He's, he's one of these guys that I think a lot of us in those ceilings are having a tough time in terms of getting him into the first round range, like on our boards. I think we comfortably see him as like a top third, like top 40 guy would be a lot better to say it. You have him mocked at the end of the first round. And if you're asking me to make a bet on it, I do think he's going to go in the first round, but are you comfortable? Like, if you were in a front office, right, you got you got to argue about who who to possibly draft, like in the end of the first round range. Are you making a confident sell on Letter Miller, or do you kind of have some questions yourself? Well, here's how this uh, sort of unfolded: is so I, I can't say I know him that well either. Uh, I was sort of strongly told to come check him out, you know, as far back as November, uh, sure. and I didn't do it, uh, which I regret. Um, <laughs> And he's gotten a lot of buzz recently. I mean, I've had a number of NBA teams call me so hyped up on him. I watched film um, and, you know, talked to some scouts in Canada and I put him at 29 after the lottery. Uh, but then I watched him for a couple of days. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to pull him off. I, I think I jumped the gun, honestly. Um, he's got, yeah. he's got, he's got the, the quote unquote sexy tools as a prospect. Right. Uh, I, I just, I don't think he's there. Yet. Like I'd, I'd like to see him go to school. That makes a lot of sense. I think I would definitely like to see a little bit more myself, especially considering that, like I said, he didn't pop off the high school tape to me. He did have some struggles in the exhibition games. I don't really think he left a good impression in, in, in scouts' minds. At least that's what I would probably think, unless they're just going off of the measurables, the tools. They're just going to bend on the potential they're going to take him late in the first round. I think that could happen, but I would agree with you. I think if I, for me to have confidence in, in somebody like him, I think I would – rather see him go to school as well. Another guy who you have mocked like in a similar range would be, would be Pat Baldwin um, did do from, from what I understand had a number of interviews with NBA teams out there, got his own pro day workout in any more buzz around him and where you might be slotting him in, in another quick mock-up day, whether that'd be a little higher, or a little lower. Yeah. You know, we, uh, it's funny. I did it. I've been doing interviews all day and, um, there, there's a lot of buzz, but it's all negative, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, you know, he, 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 he from the NBA's perspective, I mean, he was dodging playing, you know, with minor injuries all year. And so, I mean, Is it just the athletic stuff, the, the testing that people are no, concerned no, about no, or no. more than that? Okay. No, the negativity has been kind of swirling all year round. I mean, I, I was at the game. He rolled his ankle. I mean, I saw him walk out off without a limp, and he, he ends up missing the whole season because of it. It's just – and then it's, you know, watching him play, the lack of, of – uh, of toughness is just so apparent and th- those things alone. I mean, we're, we're, we're major red flags to me. Um, and then now, I mean, with the, the, the vertical and he didn't play in the five on five, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he should go back to school. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't feel good about, about him right now. Uh, I mean, he's big, he's skilled. There's some major concerns there that he, he needs to address. So you do, you do think it'd be likelier for him to go back to school at this point? Cause I'm, I, th- I think he'd be better off. I, I, my, my gut tells me he's going to, he's going to stay in and that's just my gut. I, I don't have a whole lot of intel on that, uh, but I, I hope he goes back to school. I, um, I'm, he, he scares me as a prospect at this point. 
And then two picks later on your mock to the Oklahoma City Thunder at 34, you did have Max Christie. Max Christie and uh, and Jake LaRavia, they've been the, they've been the two names buzzing at, at, at the combine, um, but potential promise stuff. Do you you think Max Christie ultimately goes in the first round, or do you think he might be somebody who actually pulls his name out and goes back to school? You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of the pro days. I, you know, I, I think we were talking before uh, we started recording here, but um, you know, that, that's pretty much just like watching pregame warmups. You know, I've seen all these guys. So I I personally don't get a whole lot out of it. Um, so well, Max Christie though, just him put on a shooting clinic. <laughs> that was interesting to see. I mean, that guy has got a sweet stroke. Uh, the backgrounds on him are great. You know, he, he didn't have the productive year like you know a lot of us would have hoped. Um, I, I I think he is a great prospect, and you know, I think we have him what thirty. We have him thirty four right now. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see somebody snag him in, in the first round. I, I, uh, I'd be interested in him in the first round if I, if I were a team. You think he's, you think he's like a late first round guy? You think there's a chance he, he climbs even higher? Cause like I, I talked to some, some of us at no ceilings, like there, there's some of us who want to rate him as like a top 20 guy still, despite, you know, some right. of the up and down season he had in Michigan state, you think he could climb higher? Or you think like that back end of the first surprise? It wouldn't surprise me. I don't think I'm going to go quite that high just yet, but sure. I mean, let's, let's not forget what happened with Josh Primo last year, you know? And so um, it takes one team to have a player go high, you know? And so uh, I, I would not be surprised if Max Christie went higher than we're thinking. Do you have any idea that Primo thing was coming by the way? Do you have any idea? No, he was I gonna, didn't like rocket that high. I knew, I mean, I knew everybody thought thought really highly of him, especially after the combine. Uh, we, we were all surprised he went that high, but I mean, it, I, I think it was a good pick. I mean, it's, I mean, it's sort of like what we're talking about with Max Christie. Is he necessarily ready to step in and play this big role in the NBA? No, but like, all right, a few years from now, what's your confidence level that he's going to be, be a good player? Mine's high, you know? I mean, he just needs a little bit of time. And, and the same idea with Primo. So two guys I got to hit on for the no sailors collective while I have you. Um, and then we'll, we'll find a good way to, to, to get you out of this podcast, but Jalen Williams at 47, this is a guy we we've been on him for the majority of the year. We've kind of been trending him towards that top 30 range goes to the combine has an excellent combine in terms of measurements. And then what he was able to do in the exhibition games. He's one guy, he massively helped himself. Um, the, this past week. And this is a guy, I think right now he's generating some late first round buzz. We, I, I released a mock draft on my podcast feed and we got to Charlotte at 15. And it was my turn to make the pick and I snapped him. And I was like, listen, my argument for it was Charlotte's a team. I think they're going to be under the gun to try and win a little bit quicker than maybe someone anticipate because they have LaMelo ball. We kind of see how some of those situations are starting to work out in the NBA. They got to nail those two picks. And Jalen Williams is somebody who I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't know if you're starting to hear some of the same opinions, but I'm very confident in what he can do on both ends of the floor. I think he's going to be an immediate impact guy from day one in the NBA. What's, what's kind of his buzz been like, and is he somebody who you might be angling to, to move up your mock draft when we do another update? Yeah, no, I mean, first of all, yeah, we, we've already talked about moving him up from there. I mean, obviously, he played since I updated that, that mock draft, and he, and he did yeah. well. He showed well, um, me- measured well. I mean, he's really long. Uh, I mean, I think that if there's a knock on him, he's not the quickest kid. He leans more on his skill and his length. Um, but, I mean, that's that's nitpicking to a certain extent, right? Sure. I mean, he's a good player. I see him, see him more as like a 3-2 than a 2-3. 
because of the lack of foot speed, but mm-hmm. he's got some point forward stuff to him and be a couple of nice dunks. I mean, just so dang long and, and coordinated skills, right? Seven two uh, wingspan. That, yeah, that's no, surprising. He, uh, no, for sure. It, uh, yeah, no, I, I like him. I, I don't know um, if I'll get to the same point you're at, but I mean, he's definitely moving in the right direction. I, if I were to bet on it when we update tomorrow, um, I'll probably put him in the 30s somewhere. And then Ryan Rollins, another guy who we there, – there are technically some mixed opinions. In Oceania. Some guys have him much higher than, than some others, but he's kind of been like an early second-round guy, I think, for me for a while. You have him mocked at 50. Any, any buzz that you got from him out of the combine? Any chance you move him up a mock? Oh, for sure. I, I'm really, really intrigued by Brian. I got a chance to sit, sit down and talk with him for a little bit too. And um, yeah, I just, I like his style of play. I mean, he, he showed me that he's, he's got a lot more potential as an on-ball creator. I thought he was going to be a little bit more of a two-one and I'm generally, I mean, right or wrong. I, I don't like undersized two guards that, that aren't true point guards. Um, and, I, and I think he's much more of an on-ball guy than, than I expected. And I mean, very herky-jerky and quick yeah. and smooth and can create his own shot. I mean, I, I'm really interested in him. And I mean, he needs to get stronger. I mean, he's a younger guy. He needs to polish up his outside shooting. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know necessarily where we're going to put him in our mock draft, but um, I'm going to move him up. You, you buy in a lot of the, a lot of the pick and roll stuff from him. Cause like you look at the, you look at the synergy numbers for him. And, and I, I, I talked to somebody who I respect his opinion and he is much smarter in the space than I am. He said, you got to watch it with some of those numbers when you look to see he's doing that in a mid-major conference versus doing it in high major, like ACC or SEC, you know, every night. Do, do you buy that a lot of that pick and roll creativity that you've rated out so well is going to translate? Um yeah, I do. I mean, I haven't even looked at his metrics, to be honest. With you. I, I'm honestly not a big fan of college metrics translating to the NBA, just, just sure. as a general statement. I, I like it more of like analyzing NBA stats for NBA players and teams and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I, I, I think he's got a lot of potential as an on-ball guy. And so, uh, I mean, with that, like the creativity kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, with being a pick and roll guy. I mean, he's a young guy that needs to learn the game. He, he was the most talented kid at, at a smaller school. Uh, and, which is another reason to be careful of those metrics, <laughs> you know. Um, but I like his potential. I mean, he's an upside guy. Um, I mean, I think I think you take him. I mean, he's he's a little bit of a project. I mean, you need his body together. Um, you know, and as far as pick and roll type stuff, um, that's something that needs to be taught too. I mean, that's yeah. it's a much more sophisticated, uh, you know, play at the NBA than it's to, to say the, the least. <laughs> right in the, in the where, what conference at the MAC conference or yeah. whatever it is. Um, so, but you know, I lost our I, I do like him and he, he's moving up. So you mentioned his name. I, I did not plan to talk about this guy on the podcast. You, you got to sell me on him a little bit. Um, Darius days, you mentioned him at LSU. He's a guy who really stood out to you, um, at the G league elite camp as well as, um, some of the combine stuff. So I, the reason why I haven't been in on Darius days, I, I have not appreciated any of the shot selection that he's shown at LSU. I understand he can make shots. He, first of all, is a physically gifted guy, right? Like I'm not going to knock his athleticism, his build whatsoever, but just some of the shot selection stuff really irritated me when I went and watched them on the film. What were some of your impressions from interviewing with him, from, from talking to him and, and, and just some of the sales pitch that you can give me as somebody who Nate. You might not love all the tape, but he's somebody you really got to get in the second round of the board. No, sure. I mean, yeah, from a personality standpoint, I mean, he, he, he was great. I mean, just a lot of character and personality and somebody you'd want on your, on your team just seemed like a winning type type of guy. Uh, and as far as, you know, on the court, 
yes, he's going to need to adjust. I mean, he's going to be a complimentary player at the next level. And yeah. with that, you know, a guy like him will need to pick and choose a shooting. But like, I'm a big believer in coaching. Like, coaching is real and it's something of, of substance. Uh, perhaps because I'm, you know, grew up a coach's son, I, I, I buy into it more than others. But um, it's something I believe in, and I do think if you know, this is where I think teams and myself doing so much background and getting to know these players, who's coachable, who can we groom, who can we mold. And Darius stays is somebody that I think you can, and I think it's somebody that you can get to buy in that will contribute to winning. I think he makes a lot of you know winning type plays. I think he'd be an intangible type of guy. He's got a lot of physicality. He, uh, you know, he seems like a pretty smart defender. I mean, he's not like overly quick, but he, he's switchable, uh, you know, because he's coordinated and he, he plays hard and he's long and then just the ability to stretch it. And so, I mean, I think it's a, it's somewhat of a simple game, uh, but, I, you know, guys like that as a role guy, as a glue guy, I do think Absolutely. it's their value. Who was your favorite interviewer? Who's the favorite person? Um, uh, you know, I wasn't doing to. formal interviews. I was more of just, chatting with agents and parents sure. and players in the lobby, uh, more casual. Um, I mean, Darius was, was certainly one of them. Um, who, who else was I talking with? Nicole Jovic was a really nice kid. Really? Yeah. Uh, and Marjan Bochamp, who, who I've known for a couple yes. years, but we haven't, we haven't caught up in a while. Yes. But, uh, he, he and I had a great talk. I mean, I, we actually talked about me doing a formal uh, interview with him uh, in the next couple of weeks. Because you know, when I first met him, he just signed with Frank Masciano and Chameleon BX. Uh, essentially where you're skipping school to train for a year. And they brought me down to be an advisor for the day. And he was skinny. He was immature. His body language was bad. He had this reputation for having a selective motor. And I was honest with him. I was like, hey, I did some homework on you. Here's here's what I'm hearing. That, that was back then. And mm -hmm. I evaluated him this year. Um, and and I, I talked to him about it. I remember our, 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 our meeting we had in Phoenix a couple of years ago. I was like, I do. And I was like, credit to you. You've addressed all of those issues and more. And you're, you're playing yourself into being a solid first round pick. And uh, it was just like, it was, a, you know, a, a very deep conversation. And I really, really just truly appreciate that kid. Where, where do you feel his draft range is? I know you mocked him at 17, but like, he's, he's one guy, Matt, I, I've come around and, and I, and I look at my board and I, I try and, you know, nitpick with it every single night. And he's one guy, I kind of have him in like the 23 to 25 range, but I just sit there and I think about it and he's one of the guys I did get to see in person this year. And I'm like, I want to move him up. Like right. it's a lot about his game. Just, I feel like it's going to translate to the NBA level. Like, are, are you confident in the range you have him in right now? Or you think he might slide a little bit? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody took him a little higher. Um, there and, we go. And, and I think, you know, he's, he's on the older side. And so, I mean, you get certain people that are, are very critical about anybody that's, that's slightly older. And, you know, so, I mean, could that make him slip some picks, but on the flip side, I think, I think people's, you know, NBA people's confidence level is similar to mine is this guy is ready to go. I mean, I, I think this guy's ready to play in a rotation today and, and, and just kind of, you know, no, I think, you know, his interviews, which I actually heard they were, were, were very good this week, uh, not, not awesome. just the conversation I had, uh, but I, you know, having gotten to know him, He's going to impress people that these next few weeks in these these team visits, uh, and so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to hear his name called in the late lottery. But I I can't imagine him getting you know past like twenty or twenty one. So I mean, he's probably somewhere loosely in that ten to twenty range would be my my best bet. I got to ask you about then his teammate really quick, Dyson Daniels, who yep. this guy, holy cow! I mean, I'm hearing I'm hearing like potential top six stuff, like legitimate, right. like top six buzz. Right with him do you you think at this point he's probably going to be a lock to go in, in the top 10 or you still think he's in that late lottery range 
I mean, I don't know if he's a lock to go top 10. He's definitely getting the action. And I know that for a fact. And, yeah. um, you know, and the progression for me with him evaluating is I, I was at their, their first game of the year. It was actually, it was their first, it was an exhibit, technically ex- exhibition game in Iowa, but it was their first formal game. And uh, I was a little underwhelmed. He, like, he was very passive, but it was his first game of the year, right? And so I, I think yeah. I kind of went pretty negative on him early. And he's just chipped away at me and, and seemingly everybody else, too. Um, and I, I think we're going to – I talked to Derek Murray about it. We're, we're thinking about putting him at eight in New Orleans. And so um, that's that's top ten. So uh, I don't think he's an absolute lock to top ten, but he's looking like close to a lock to be a lottery pick. I mean, that that just makes a ton of sense from uh, from a team standpoint. But I look at some of these names. Like I look at Keegan Murray. I look at Dyson Daniels. And they're, they're just two guys that really stick out to me in terms of, man, they could fit so many different places so like why am i not ranking those guys higher on my board like i've i've kind of lived in the same neighborhood for dyson on my board is kind of where you have him mocked right now but he's one guy i did have to go back and i had to move him i I think around that that seven eight range because i just i see him fitting so many places and i I find it hard for teams to to pass on him just just kind of for that reason alone um so before i get you out of here matt just as we talked about with Josh Primo last year at 12, there's always one guy who just pops out of freaking nowhere into the lottery. It happens every single year. Is there any one name who you can think of off the top of your head who could possibly be like a little bit of a lottery surprise? Well, I'm not doing off the top of my head. I'm pulling my list right now. Um, if I had a bet on one guy, I would say Malachi Branham. There we go. Name. I mean, like he he's blowing people away. I was at his pro day. His pro day actually, I didn't think he did that well. His pro day, it was one on oh, and it was it was too hard. And uh, I mean, one on oh workouts, no jump. I mean, if you don't take many breaks, I mean, that's that's hard, especially if you're yeah. a perimeter player shooting a lot of jumpers. Um, but another, uh, he's another guy. I had a chance to sit down with him. What a great kid! I mean, really, he he is going to blow teams away just with his poise and charisma and his maturity. Um, and, and it's just on the court. It's so easy to see how you plug him in because he, he he's already proven to be a productive scorer and efficient scorer, but he's not ball dominant and he's not selfish, you know. And so he, he really can, you know, at least for me, I, I can see him coexisting with just about anybody as is just like a straight up old school, you know, scoring two guard. Um, and he's he's certainly getting action in the lottery. Uh, we currently have him going to fourteen to Cleveland. I, I think I'm gonna probably st- stick with that pick. So he's. Man, he's interesting because he's he's one of those guys. I don't know if you'd put him on any sort of like star projection, but kind of how I've pitched him to people when when I've gone on podcasts and everybody's been asking me who's like a target, like that eleven to fourteen range, or possibly even like the back end of the top ten, I'm like Malachi Branham, because hmm. I think NBA teams don't realize how much of a luxury it is to have somebody who's like your third or fourth option who all of a sudden, if you you don't game plan against Brad, if you don't account for him. He can burn you for like 20 to 30 points on, right. on any given night. And I think just having somebody like that's just so valuable given what we've seen. Yeah. And I think playoffs. with him, you know, we're, you know, and I think I've read this somewhere too. And I, and I agreed with, it. I can't remember who said this, but they're, they're, you know, he, he's not, he, he doesn't blow you away with his talent. Like he's not, he's not like Shaden Sharp that's doing all these crazy dunks yeah. and flashy finishes and shooting threes, like step backs from like 40 feet and all this crazy stuff that's going to make highlights. Right. But He's a reliable, efficient player. It's, it's so it's almost like uh, yeah. here's what I read: is somebody compared him to like a Chris Middleton, who's a yep. Chris game. Chris's game is very simple. He's a shot maker, right? And like that's how Brandon is. Is like this guy, you know, it's all simple kind of textbook type stuff. 
guy's proven that he puts it in the hole at an efficient rate, you know, and, and, and now getting to know him at, you know, on a personal level and, and he's so high character. I just, I don't know. I mean, he's, he, he's going to go high, you know, and so if I were to bet a guy that's going to kind of su- surprise go to the lottery, it'd be him. I think if Cleveland got him at 14, I, I, with the team that they have right now, like, like ready to win and compete in the playoffs and you're able to bring in somebody like him at 14, man, I, I would be running up to the podium if I was Cleveland right. and, and he was still on the board, but Matt, thank you so much. I know you're a really busy guy, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast, share some, some draft insights with us as we get close to the draft, just really quick for my audience, plug yourself, plug everything that you're doing, because I want to make sure that they know where it is. And I want to make sure that I'm sharing all of it, whether it be mock drafts, interviews, everything. Yeah. So we're at uh, basketballnews.com. And then you can find, find me personally at, on uh, Twitter at Matt Babcock 11. Uh, we're going to be uh, pumping out a lot of content and, you know, we're keeping our profile. We're, we're taking a lot of pride in our profiles and we've got full highlight videos and uh, detailed information. And then, uh, Derek Murray and I are kind of splitting things up where we're going to be interviewing a lot of draft prospects between now and the draft. And uh, yes, it should be, should be some good content. Shout out to Derek. I, w- I want to have Derek on, on this podcast one day. I got, I got to get him on draft deeper as well. Um, he's, he's too big time these days. <laughs> too, too big time to do a sit down between you and him on the, at the same time, too big time. <laughs> oh man. But that's going to do it for this episode of Draft Deeper. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you are subscribed if you aren't to Draft Deeper, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Make sure you're subscribed to No Ceilings, noceilingsnba.com. It's free 99, as Corey Tullable likes to say, draft content Monday through Friday. And make sure you're following Twitter at No Ceilings NBA as well. Make sure you're subscribed to that podcast feed, everything we're doing over there. Plenty more draft content coming your way, but thank you so much again for listening to this episode. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. Stay tuned.